What's up, everybody? Are you tuning in to the Challenge USA on CBS? Well, tune in to me, Tyson Apostle, as I break down each and every episode with my co-host, Amelia Wedemeyer. I'm also a contestant on the show, which gives you all the insider scoop. Amelia, how stoked are you to do this? Tyson, I'm freaking excited. I cannot wait to sit my butt down every single week to watch the show, then come here and recap it with you on the Ringer Reality TV podcast. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you've had it with your overpriced wireless plan with its insanely high monthly bill and unexpected overages, then listen to this. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Wow, right? To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for more details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me on the other line, an honorable mention for my first half of the year top 10 list, it's Andy Greenwald! I just want to be in the conversation. I was? You You considered me? You actually, funnily enough, finished right beneath conversations with friends in my honorable mentions. So to be clear, the fictional television show about conversations with friends was better for you this year than conversations with your actual friend. Look, who can say? Andy, today we are going to do our half-year top 10 lists. Uh, Everybody's doing them. The Ringer did one. Miles and Allison did one on the site. Uh, You can see pretty much everywhere on the internet. This has become now a... Uh, I guess, an annual tradition to do your your sort of summer best best of the year. It speaks to the robust offering of peak TV, does it not? Yeah, I was... You know me. When the world zigs, I like to zag. So I wasn't sure sure that we... I'm just an outside-the-box thinker, you know? I wasn't sure we should do this. And then I started compiling. So I was like, yeah, I'm sure there were like three things that I really liked. And then I made a list of 15 things that I liked. And then I realized we have to do this because the end of your thing is almost impossible at this point. We, we need to take stock and give some credit where credit is due to shows that may fall off by the end of the year, just simply because there's just too much. Yeah, there's and we can get into like the little, I mean, we, we started out with some rules and then when we decided where we were going, we didn't need any rules. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of like, these are a little slapdash, but I also think that they point to an excellent year in TV. So we'll get to that in just a bit. Andy, first of all, Mm. It's great great to see you. I have not podcasted on the Watch podcast in 10 days or something like that because I was away and then July 4th. So um, did anything happen while I was gone? Uh, In the country or just with me? No, just on like, you know, in in the world of this podcast. Anything you want to update me on? Oh, um, no, I think it was pretty much steady as she goes. You know, Mm -hmm. I did. um, I got I got to do a monologue again last week, which really makes me feel alive. I got to be honest with you. Like, I'm I'm thinking that just might be the future. You know, do you think that you are like kind of veering towards solo potting? 
I have to say, um, no, okay. <laughs> it's a terrible <laughs> idea. But there are certain moments in in life when one you know is is asked to step up, yeah. and particularly when those moments coincide with Olivier Assayas delivering an incredibly meta homage to both his own films and the larger history of 20th century French cinema, as he did with HBO's current series, Irma Vep. Like, that's a good moment for me to really just go ISO, I think. That's a, that that makes sense. I agree. Um, so I'm going to be publishing my own seven-hour uh, shot-by-shot breakdown of Stranger Things season, uh, <laughs> season four. <laughs> I feel terrible about this. You should monologue about that. Like, that show... That's you thing, know, I though. like to do a I thing mean, where I, I'm like, is it really popular? Yeah, it's really popular. And I am off the boat. And I feel sorry about that. This is, you know, it's, it's interesting you bring this up. Because not only did I finish Stranger Things Season 4, which I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed, even though, even with my ch- check out the big brain on Brad, still, like, don't know if I understand the upside down and the gates and, like, what running up the hill does for people and, and everything. Yeah, but I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed Stranger Things season four. And, you know, I also was watching this show, The Terminalist. If you, you know, you know about this, like the Chris Pratt show on yeah. Amazon, which is also apparently a major hit, right? Major hit, yes. Yeah, and it's like, it's so funny how we've now recreated this, like there's now blockbuster TV. And now Stranger Things gets broken down like to the to the nanosecond and everybody's got theories and everybody is like memeing like, you know, Will crying or Eddie playing guitar or whatever it is. But, it's funny how that seems to have now kind of like separated itself out of like mainstream critical discourse and is now just like this blockbuster thing that happens as is shows like Terminalist or some of the Taylor Sheridan shows. Yeah. There's like almost this in between where I think it's not like this is us but it's where the where the blockbuster network shows used to be like now there are like the streaming band of blockbuster shows that don't actually seem to have that a ton of discourse around them at least terminalist stranger things does obviously a ton a huge fan contingent for that but it's funny how like hits happen regardless of of critical like kind of back i'm kind of cobbling this together on the fly but i think both of those shows are examples of very contemporary phenomenon that i think suggests we need to come up with different language to talk about these things and the reason why i say that is um when stranger things started I mean, we, you and I both adored the first season. I loved yeah. it. I really enjoyed a lot of the second season. And then I just kind of tapped out. But I think that my enjoyment of it was still a little bit um, shaded with a maybe snarky or critical feeling of like, well, you know, they're just riffing on our childhood, literally, you know, and it's kind of repackaged toys from the 80s. Just, you know, they've taken them out of their packaging and they're playing with them in a different era. It has now reached a point culturally where it is its own upside down pocket universe Mm -hmm. where I think it is celebrated and adored because it doesn't connect to anything else. And I think the large majority of people who love it all didn't, weren't alive when Ghostbusters came out. You know what I mean? Didn't see it in the theater. So it's its own thing. And it is now, I think, and with good reason, going to be held up as an example of non-IP based Yeah, like original storytelling. storytelling. I know. Yeah, I think it is. And I think people love it for that reason. It doesn't have the baggage of something like, you know, I, I mean, we keep um, dumping on Obi-Wan, but like, and I think Obi-Wan was probably a, a rating success for Disney, but it's a different type of engagement with a phenomenon. And as far as the terminalist thing, so for people who, who aren't aware of it, this is uh, Chris Pratt's return to television after Parks and Rec and after his creatine diet. And it is a very, very serious, like Navy SEAL hunting down people who betrayed his team. It's Jack Reacher without the, without the jokes. And it's an hour long episodes, but it's Chris Pratt plays a, uh, it's very like 80s action actually, because it's right. basically Chris Pratt avenging 
something that happens to him, both uh, on a mission mission with the seals, but then what happens? Something that happens to him at home, and he and his like partner, uh, played by Taylor Kitsch, uh, are like kind of moving through, essentially like killing people who who have like wronged them. It was uh, one of the first episodes was directed by Antoine Fuqua. I think he's the executive producer. He obviously also worked on Mayor of Kingstown. Gene Triplehorn is in it. Like it's it's like it's kind of wild. Like the amount of people that are in it, and it, it is like I find it weirdly entertaining, although like incredibly humorless and serious, self serious about itself. But I I have heard at least anecdotally that it's a, like a really big success. Well, I think the reason why I think we need to reconsider the way we talk about these things is it comes from the point you made about like broadcast TV hits, right? Like, again, this, this is just our framing of things. Like even as recently as five years ago, something like the James Spader show, the blacklist, you know, I remember I wrote about the first few episodes for Grandland because I was covering broadcast stuff. Then, um, we don't talk about it. We're not engaged with it. It is still on the air, I believe. And it has considerably more viewers than a lot of the stuff we talk about. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I still think we carry some, you know, I don't know whether it's like coastal flyover state cultural thing where it's like, that's great. That's a TV phenomenon, but it's not in the same sphere as the stuff we talk about. Now, the sphere of the stuff we talk about in the past five, seven years ago was movie stars making a big splash with these streaming companies that have a lot of money to spend and a lot of, you know, high budget, high gloss stuff. Chris Pratt and Antoine Fuqua making a show for Amazon is what we talk about. Mm -hmm. But the show they made is in the vein of the types of shows we don't talk about. So it's just it's just kind of a fracturing of the landscape in a way that runs against a narrative that I think that we still bring to a lot of the coverage that we do. It's I I, I think that, you know, as you said, the Sheridan verse proves like there's money in them hills of America yes. making shows not about therapists or retconning, <laughs> you know, feminist <laughs> magazines in the 70s. Shout out to Minx, which I'm about to talk about. You know what I mean? Like, there's and and there's no we're not speaking about this pejoratively. It's just not generally what I watch or what we talk about. And yet the money and attention and stars are going to go there, too. Yeah. Well, maybe one day I'll do a separate show on this feed that's just like Chris Ryan monologuing about what real Americans watch. Do you know what you just did to the CR Heads Reddit board? <laughs> you just poured catnip directly, directly into their uh, meow mix. Like that um, is wild. Do you want to talk a little bit about Only Murders in the Building? Because it came back for its second mm. season. This is a show that we chatted about when they mm -hmm. first debuted for a couple of weeks and uh, became kind of, speaking of hits, I think something of a sensation. I've noticed that, and maybe this is specific to the, the, the larger Hulu umbrella of shows, but I've noticed we were getting a couple of quicker turnarounds on seasons. Yes. So we got Only Murders a year after the last one, about. And we're getting Reservation Dog Season 2 uh, in August. When did that air? It feels like it aired like last The fall, end of right? last, August, September. Yeah. I mean, th th these are examples of shows that when we found out they were renewed, were well on their way to production. I'm sure. You know, but it, it, And this is also how TV is supposed to work, where the show comes on at the same time every year. You're totally right, though. It, it was, Doesn't that also? I mean, this is interesting. I didn't. I don't think we intend to, you guys to speak about paradigm shifts. You guys are taking two and a half years in between these seasons. But for real, like only murders in the building coming back, A, at all, and B, instantly, 
felt feels very odd. Like it is definitely not the timetable we're used to for anything. Even well, vaguely I think because prestige. we just expect it, like you just think like, oh, Steve Martin, Selena Gomez must have so much to do. You know, he like, must have Martin a banjo Short. tour. Yeah, you know, or like but, whatever. Like they've just must have, like movies and mu- and music and everything. And then it's just like, oh, yes, you guys just want to knock another one of these out. I personally find this one. Uh, even more pleasant than the last one. I I think pleasant is sort of the operative word people use yes. to describe murders. It's just like such a nice experience to watch it. The comedy is, you know, like well sort of it's really like finely tuned, but also feels daffy and goofy at times, which is really nice. And it's like talking birds and, you know, all all like these little like kind of like yeah, waka waka moments along with very wry, very like well sort of honed comedy. So I really enjoy it. And then this season, uh, so far, the first three episodes, I just really kind of enjoy the plotting and the the sort of like them already being established as these true crime podcasters having to solve yet another murder that they are implicated in. Yeah, I really I, I think you said the best possible word for the show, which is pleasant. In 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 it's tough to kind of um shelve the show in a way because we covered the first few episodes i think we were really excited because it did feel very different and and martin short's performance is just extremely special um but my urgency really waned with the show and i never have considered that a reflection of my um admiration or enjoyment of it it just it's never been the first or second option on my on my docket you know what i mean right um which, by the way, again, I don't mean that pejoratively, and I think that I'm, I'm, I think other people don't feel that way because, to your point, I, I've heard anecdotally this is a huge success for Hulu, and you know maybe if not their biggest, one of their biggest original comedies. So everything's working, and I kind of enjoyed the way the second season didn't really stress about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, yeah, we we ended in a pretty high stakes place. We won't spoil it in case you're not caught up, um, or in case you just sort of forgot to finish the first season, like I realized I had done a few weeks ago. Um, and then it was like, okay, so we'll address that, but then we'll just, we'll just dial the, 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 the stakes meter back a little bit, you know, I, so we can I have think our it's a season. Show that's actually, make... It's good for the second season though, because in the first season, it takes a few episodes for them to come together and then it, even more episodes for them to start getting along. And in the second season, uh, it actually opens with, or I think in the, but, but in one of the first few episodes, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez are having like a celebration among the three of them with bottles of champagne for their podcast that they did in the first season. And I'm like, this is actually great. I don't really need any kind of like false conflict between the three of them right now. Like, I'm very happy just to watch the three of these people like move through this comic adventure. Do you think anyone else is going to pick up the mantle of cross generational um, community shows? You know what I mean? Because we, I think one of the things that drew attention to it was the sort of just on paper strangeness of Steve Martin and Martin right. Short, legends of one generation who collaborate all the time with, excuse me, I'm sorry, what, what, what's this you're telling me in my earpiece? Selena Gomez? Yes. And the fact that the character's <laughs> name is Mabel suggests that it was written maybe to be a uh, contemporary of, of Martin and Martin uh, and then wasn't, but it worked, right? And so- Well, she's something, an old soul, you know? But it's a different energy. Just, just simply having age groupings like that, yeah. you know, it take it takes some tensions and energies away and puts different ones in, and I, I enjoy that. I think it's just a different speed pitch that we're being thrown. It's, it is unabashedly what it is. Like it's unabashedly Manhattan. It's unabashedly rooted in a kind of shouts and murmurs aesthetic. Like I, I really appreciate what it, what it does, even if it's like, I mean, I was going to say it's playing to a, a like a sort of 
a small audience, but it's playing to, in fact, a very big audience. I think the this is another example of a show where if it was one season, everyone would be like, good job with that one season. But also mm-hmm. everyone seems to be enjoying it so much, both making it and watching it, that why wouldn't why wouldn't they keep it going? And I feel like of all the things to get, I mean, this is a straw man. I don't think anyone's getting that exercised about this stuff. But I think like, but I think like Jim Ponowozik in the New York Times was just, you know, less charmed by the second season. He was like, mm-hmm. I don't really think, no matter how many times they talk about how second seasons of podcasts are disappointing, it's not taking the sting out of the fact that this is a little disappointing. But honestly, I still feel a little stranger about the old man getting renewed a midway through, and we don't really know which way it's going yet, than I would about something like this. Like I, or, or, or today I saw, you know, your honor, the Brian yeah, Cranston. But did you see it got renewed series. for a second season, but then also like is ending and also has gone through like four showrunners? I'm not and laughing also, at that. No, but also what was it? You know what I mean? Like yeah. this, this this distinction of like what and I, as I said last week, uh, mid monologue, I'm sure you caught it, Chris. That like our friends at FX assured me that the old man was always intended to go on. They just, you know, weren't ready to commit or the deals weren't done. Yeah. It is interesting when you can when things it's always best to just have a sense of what are you want to be get doing. More, everybody wants to know, though, are we getting more Irma? Oh, I'm sh- I, I think you got to wait a couple decades, though, to remake oh, good. it again. Good. That's something to stay alive for, then. <laughs> Honestly, I'm <laughs> grasping at straws. So if that's it, I'll take it. That makes sense to me. Should we get into our top tens? Is there anything else you wanted to chat about at the top? Um, just quick temperature check for you with the boys season three uh, heading into the... F- we're already at the finale, aren't we? Yeah, it's, these uh, seasons are so short. This season was ten hours long. For ten no weeks. less. It's, no, it's eight. Is it? They oh, I thought it was eight ten episodes. Oh. No, and it's and it's five weeks because they drop three at once. Oh uh, yeah. Well, how about that? Do you think that this was an ideal way of releasing the show? I continue to think that it's a very smart way to release the show, and I think it's they're doing. You know, it's what they've got. I think everybody involved wishes there was more, except maybe the people who have to make it because it's really hard work. You know, yeah. when. Except um, save the lube guy on the on the boys. It's just like I'm out. I don't. Have, I'm, I'm done. Supply chain dog. <laughs> Colby Minifee from the boys was on last week, and she, you know, she 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 was referring to like six months in Toronto, which is a lovely place to spend half the year. But you know, it's an ensemble show, and there must be a lot of days when you're not working, and a lot of days where the people who are on set every day are really working. So, all of that said, yeah, I I enjoy getting three after a long break and then really enjoying the season for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I, I just wanted to check in to say that this isn't going to put anyone on or off the fence, but last week's episode, penultimate episode featured a, 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 the mute character of black noir, uh, retreating into his childhood, like Chuck E. Cheese type mm-hmm. knockoff spot where he's visited by his only true and constant friends, which are animated animals. Yeah, I couldn't tell whether or not those were supposed to be canonical a- animals. Like, was I supposed to know any of those? Did Bezos buy like all the IP for the chipmunks and stuff? And no, th- throw them in there. No, but but I imagine you know Vought could spin them off into a series of, sure. of chain restaurants. Um, have you noticed that they how committed they are to this bit that if you ever go on the X-ray feature the Prime Video has where it's like who's in the scene which I wish other when I start when I'm in a moment where I'm watching a lot of Amazon shows uh-huh. I really do that when I'm watching other services to be like who is that who is that character actor Oh and you like want to click on the left side and of like, Apple oh, that's and who it's that just is. like too bad you will never know who's in for all mankind you'll have to wait no, for I the credit just, sequence I bought a MacBook Air by accident the other day um <laughs> But no, but like that, that when you watch the boys, it has like little factoids within the universe. Yeah. 
Um, That's that IMDb integration, dog. No, but like fictional ones where you're just like when they when oh, they're taking down oh. one of the guys, the mind. What was the guy's name? The the mind crime guy or whoever who they Soldier Boy went after. Mindstorm. Last week. Yeah, Mindstorm. There's like a little bio about like Mindstorm's TV show in the 80s. Um, How and why smart it got canceled. is that? It's cute. Yeah. It's fun. Anyway, we used to I just do wanted stuff like that more. Like I feel like uh, we used to make things in this country. But wasn't there like a lot of like Cloverfield like site? I mean, like obviously going back to Blair Witch, I feel like there's been viral stunts around these st- that movies, but like or shows. But I feel like did Lindelof ever do stuff like that? I mean, I am not saying this to suggest that I'm on that level, but I do think that when you have a creative opportunity people within the rooms get really excited about the possibilities of that kind of integration. Are you talking about designing your own beer labels for Briar Patch? No, I'm talking about, we did a podcast. We did a podcast of a show within the show, within the fictional universe of someone report with our, our reporter, uh, Ginger was like reporting on the case for fans of the show. And it was great. It was so fun. We had great actress, Sarah Minich and Brian Brown and other people who wrote for the show really poured their heart and soul into it. Ultimately, even with the much smaller fan base of this show, I don't know how much appetite there is for extra meta stuff. I don't know. And I feel like that, but but with something like The Boys, they have the interest that they can do that and they certainly have the budget. And I think I applaud them because I think that must be so fun to do. Anyway, I just wanted to say the cartoon stuff, that's why, that's really why I like this show. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like the show for its merit. Oh, we'll talk about it. It's on my top 10 list. No spoilers. I just thought that was awesome and fun and it just stays maybe surprising. next m- Monday let's have like a longer conversation about okay. it, like with because I have a couple of questions uh, as someone who I think watches it a little bit more casually than you. Uh, that I, I mean, not with the X-ray factoids <laughs> on the screen at all times. <laughs> well, the, the also screen second experience. screening with all of their TikToks and Instagram lives. <laughs> just be like, did they have fun on that day? Let me see. Let me see if I can see what Anthony Starr was wearing. Um, yeah. Why don't we get into our top tens? Right. Let's do it because yeah, historically, I mean, I, Chris, all, all whenever I got we left have lists, is like my guide guided trip through uh southwestern oregon so like i have nothing else really to share whenever we do top 10 lists what's good is that it's just historically some of our fastest shows you know let what me i tell mean you something we just about sail this. through them let yeah. me tell you yeah first okay. of all sam's not here so we're not gonna we can we can move quickly second um here's one interesting thing that i would like to mention about okay i don't know why i'm sounding like brian windhorse here's the thing about my top 10 list <laughs> okay I am fully expecting to put industry on it. I am mm-hmm. probably going to wind up like liking, I think, House of the Dragon, like just because I'm primed for it. I'm ready for it. Yeah. There's a couple of shows coming out in the second half of the year that I'm excited for. They're going to have to be really good to get on this list. I think that yeah. like we had like a very blinkered, like slap in our faces to kind of stay awake at the wheel kind of moment, maybe in the spring when the Emmy rush came. Yes. And it was like, there's... There's 10 new shows that came out on Thursday. I don't know what we're going to do about this. I don't know how we stay up on winning time at the same time as Ozark, at the same time as all these shows. I feel like we've leveled out. The last couple of weeks, I've felt like very able to like concentrate on like Barry or Wheel in the City or whatever shows at any given time. And the stuff I have on this list, I'm like, you're, it's going to have to be pretty significant achievement in television to get above this, that or the other. Yeah, no, I, 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 I don't, I don't disagree with you at all. And I think, um, by the way, speaking of things that are still coming, though, you mentioned it before. I didn't want to get away with it, get away from it without calling it out. Reservation Dogs is coming back quickly. Mm-hmm. FX and Hulu trailer dropped yesterday. Boku de feelings, like 
it's a phenomenal trailer for a show that I adored. And I everyone should check out this trailer. Everyone needs to get familiar with that wonderful show. I loved that even the trailer had that thing that we loved about the show so much, where it's just like, oh yeah, this can be anything, and it's going to be anything. And it really focused it's also, on It's how, also a really good trailer because it doesn't give away the entire plot of the season. Because I think it's post-plot, you know what I mean? It really was emotional in a way that I that I just thought was really confident for a show that probably needed to sell itself as a comedy at the jump, and now already knows what it is. So that's exciting. And, and right, like that's still to come. I think the other you alluded to before about like sort of rules that we had or didn't have or didn't really ascribe to, we took different paths with it. So for example, Better Call Saul, which is back next week, yeah, um, is not on my list only because I'm desperate to know what this season is. Here, I, I am going with the Dave Wasserman here. I've seen enough. I love it. I'm saying that I, I think I've seen enough of Saul from this season and have enough confidence in it that I think I can't not put it on. That being said, you know, I thought about getting really cute. So I did not mm -hmm. put... St Station Eleven is not on either of our lists. That because no. we we dedicate... But some people have said like, oh, because it was it broadcast into 2022. Oh, it was our best show of 2021. So yeah, I know. I feel okay I'm just, I'm just, I'm just to, in case anybody out there wants to get into bylaws and rules and regulations. I'm just saying, I didn't do anything really like... I tried to stay off of anything that was like in December, but whatever. Like, it, it is what it is. And then... As far as like shows that aren't finished yet, it's really down to Boys, Old Man, and Better Call Saul. We can look at our lists, but I, I decided that I'd seen enough from Better Call Saul to include it. Okay. I, I respect that. And I, Which, I, I and that is this first half of the season. I'm not like weeks ahead on, on Better Call Saul. Okay, well, let's get into our list. Last thing, honorable mention. I'm embarrassed about this, but I gotta come clean because I who am I if I'm not honest with you guys? Um remember Reacher? Yeah. I really love Reacher, and I... It's in my honorable mentions. Okay. Oh, you have honorable mentions? It's my only honorable mention, because I didn't finish it like a dummy. You, you I just didn't. kind of... No. Oh, yeah. I just... I forgot, and then we got in, and I was away, then we got into that deluge, and I almost forgot it existed. It's amazing. Is, he moves to Ireland and just starts <laughs> chatting with people about Marxism. Just has, has some convos. Wow. I would love that crossover. Reacher, Reacher is great, and I'm happy it exists, and I'm going to... I'm going to get back to it. So okay. that's my honorable mention. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you've had it with your overpriced wireless plan with its insanely high monthly bill and unexpected overages, then listen to this. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Wow, right? To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for more details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why don't we do our lists and why don't we... Mm -hmm. You want to mix it mm -hmm. up a little bit and start with one? 
Wow. Yeah. Well, because we always go 10 to 1. And I understand that it's like we build up anticipation to get to one. But I also think that you and I are going to share a bunch of like these tops. Yeah, our top threes are probably interchangeable, right? Mm -hmm. Top three or fours. So I have... uh, Should we do that? Should we do start at the top? Are we going to lose listeners? I don't know. I feel like people are going to be clinging to their earbuds, waiting to know. This is, I, I, a, you know what? This is a democracy. You want to start at ten? We can start at ten. I kind of want to start at ten because I'd rather spend more time talking about what was great. So and I, when I let, say let, this I, is a I, democracy, I let you do what you want. Yeah. So let me monologue about my <laughs> ten through six. You can turn off your. You can mute yourself. Irma Vep, episode three. Good. Good. Irma Vep 10? is an honorable mention. Irma Vep is not on my list. Not finished. Okay. Um, um, no, my, my number 10 is Minx, HBO Max show, our buddy Jake Johnson, lots of dongs. Um, and you I, stuck I just, with it. I, was, I, I, I kind of fell off this one, not out of like spite, just out of overwhelming. There's a lot overwhelmed. of shows like that this season. You know, um, Our Flag Means Death is another HBO Max show that I really, really enjoyed. Me didn't too. finish. On my own, so much. Yeah. As it should be. Minx really impressed me because it just really, after a very premisey pilot, it was really like, this is a workplace comedy in a really like fun, contemporary, even though it's a period piece way, and Jake's performance is awesome. I just I just really enjoy the show. I was happy it got renewed, happy to include it on the list. I think it's just nice. It's one of those things where I'm like, oh, great, there it is. I was really happy it was there during a tumultuous couple months. Uh, my number 10 is going to show up elsewhere on your list. We can do it now, though, if you want to, and that's Severance on Apple. You know, I think that probably most people who will have Severance on like any kind of top 10 list, I've seen it ranked quite high. Uh, on a lot of critics' lists, on some of uh, the folks in our Facebook group have made their own lists. So Severance is is among the best shows of the year, uh, among many people's most most beloved shows of the year. I I, I liked it a lot. Uh, we talked with Adam Scott about it. I thought it was a very 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 cool show that lost me in terms of like my like level of like engagement at certain points over the course of the season, but ultimately was quite an astounding piece of work. I agree. It's my number nine. And again, the 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 ranking is almost random other than the very top. Um, I I think for me, the severance thing is a head versus heart thing. Interesting. I, it's a good way of putting it. I struggle to find an emotional connection to the show outside of the astounding performances by... You love your work and you love your life. So <laughs> it's right. kind of like... How, Who can choose? Where can I get in here, you know? What's my way in? Um, but like Adam's performance, John Turturro's performance, um, just beautiful emotion and, and depth to what they do, that compelled me. Otherwise, what I was more than anything else with the show was deeply impressed and I mm-hmm. respect it. And I, I keep... I always hedge when I use those words because I don't want people to think that's kind of like a like a you know I'm, I'm hugging you but I'm hitting you like the production level and the commitment and and Dan Erickson the writer's creativity and Ben Stiller's direction are just almost overwhelming you know I but I I am probably overweighting the dip in midseason where I was appreciating it more than I was enjoying it and underrating the majesty of the finale which was one of the best hours of TV I remember for a long time but I but it, but it's been interesting anecdotally. I think you probably have seen this as well. Like people in our lives, um, both personally and professionally, love this show. Mm-hmm. And when I talk to them about it, I think they love it in an emotional way. Like they want to know what the secret is. And I'm, I, I still watch it without caring so much. I just am enjoying it, which is a different level of engagement. But I also noticed that the way people talk about it is really speaking to a 
desire to have shows, quote unquote, like this. Shows that reward being thoughtful or interested in complicated ideas or heaviness, you know, or mystery. Mm -hmm. Um, People miss that kind of engagement and are really happy that the show is there to help fill the gap. And I'm happy the show's continuing because I think it, I don't often say this about successful first seasons. This, there's no reason why the show shouldn't improve, frankly, now that they has, it has its footing and it has yeah, momentum. Yeah, not unlike the reason that I was kind of talking about with Only Murders is there's a lot of severance in the first season, in the first half of the, of the first season that is kind of like getting your bearings. And yeah. that can be uh, very thrilling because you're always like, well, where is this place? And does he know that this thing is happening? And what, what does she want? And who she seems like she has a secret. And once you get past all that stuff, maybe some of the... Um, Maybe some of the mystery's gone, you know, maybe some of the charm along with it. But I think that sometimes it makes for more um, more compelling or at least more like there's a little bit more movement to the storytelling, a little bit more tempo. Uh, so my number nine, Andy, is Euphoria. Talk about it. Clear Look, out. I don't watch it. So this is a show that just like fully leaves its body for 60 minutes every time it's on. I have no, I, you know, like I, I, I watch it. My jaws on the floor, both because of what's happening on screen and what Sam Levinson is doing in terms of filmmaking on a weekly basis and what Zendaya is doing as a performer on a weekly basis. And at the same time, like I know it's like so manipulative. It's so derivative. It's so over the top. It's so, 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 so it's like, doesn't barely make sense. It's like, what's this plot? Why is this now? We're just doing Boogie Nights in this episode, and now we're going and cutting and having like a fantasy sequence that's like this meta conversation about writing and and performance. I just think it's like kind of a unique achievement on TV right now. Uh, a lot of the shows that I wind up putting on my top ten lists are very, very, very much themselves, and I will forgive a lot if I feel like they're going for it. Uh, a show is really going for it or a show is really like aware of its own kind of voice, aware of its own world. And it's just kind of living life to the fucking max inside those boundaries. And I think that that can be applied to almost every show on my list. But yeah, Euphoria, I think obviously also another one of these, like just a gigantic fucking big hit. Uh, And in some ways, like I just don't even understand how they made it. Like I don't understand how, it it just looks the way it looks. It feels the way it feels. Um, I don't know what they're going to do for the third season. It t- talk about burning up on reentry. Like I don't know what other plot there is here, but it is it is just a really 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 captivating show for me. I know my next one is on your list, and I think maybe you should take the lead on it. Um, Pachinko is low on my list only because, and again, Mia culpa. I realized I haven't finished it, and. Not a slight on Sue Hugh and the cast and the the just the incredible undertaking of this show. I I was savoring it mm-hmm. and then I got swept away, and I have to return to it. So my guess is, and this is the 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 uh, Korean immigrants to Japan and then to America family saga that's on ad, adapted from the beloved book. It's Apple TV Plus. We had Sue I, I think, on when the when the show first aired. Yeah, I would. I'm just going to put this as a placeholder because I just thought this was just a beautiful, really captivating achievement and i have a feeling it might even be higher on my end of the year list but i have it I, at number I, four I, I, and I, yeah. I i think you will feel the same way yeah I, this is on me and we'll revisit okay so uh that was your number nine that was eight 
San oh, Francisco's nine. Yeah. Okay. I have uh, at number eight. I have this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt. I don't know why I keep saying gonna. Like uh, I am American. So this is going to hurt. Oh, Andy and I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Is the Ben Wishaw? I wouldn't say dramedy because it's not. It's it's wry and and droll, but I don't think it's got any like real like laugh lines. Although there is some humor to it uh, about a. Um, an OBGYN ward in an NHS hospital in England uh, in sort of the mid-2000s. And it's just basically about this guy, Adam, who is coming to terms with the barriers he puts up around him because of like what he sees on a daily basis and what he has to deal with in terms of losing patients or in terms of working with people and how those barriers kind of extend out to his personal life uh, with his boyfriend or with his mother. And I've been, you know... I, I finished the series and I just thought it was astonishing. Like, I think there are um, elements of it that are a little uneven. Some of the sort of breaking the fourth wall, some of um, the tonal stuff gets like a little bit hairy at points. But this is kind of just one of those old school, like I'll watch Ben Wishaw read the phone book and uh, he is so good in this show and gets better and better as the season goes on. And he's allowed to sort of explore a couple of different uh, shades of this character and uh, it never disappointed, though I understand it is it can be it can be tough skiing for some people. Yeah, I'm glad you're celebrating it. I watched two, so it didn't really qualify for my list yet. But I love Ben Wishaw, admired what I saw, and will revisit. Uh, okay, you're up. Abbott Elementary obviously premiered at the end of last year, but had its full season uh, this year. ABC sitcom Quinta Brunson, an enormous hit, an enormous mm-hmm. like old fashioned. We love good hits hit. on this show. I love. I love shows that make people feel things on a larger scale. I yeah. love the ambition of that. And I love the feeling when it connects. And we're going to talk about this when we get to the top of our list as well with a certain show that a lot of people are talking about right now. It's wonderful to share things, you know. That the, and That's not Abbott, the Terminal List, though. Well, I, I don't know if Terminal List is exhilarating or uplifting for necessarily the right reasons at this moment um, in American history. But Abbott Elementary is, you know, it, it's a it's a the office style mockumentary mm-hmm. multicam sitcom set in a struggling Philadelphia public school. And it just worked from jump in a way that just feels really good, you know, and Quinta Brunson gets all the deserved accolades, but I got to give a special shout out to Janelle James, who plays Ava, the principal who is so savagely funny on the show. And, you know, I think you could feel them start figuring out that character's rhythm and just serving up juicier and juicier fastballs to her. And just as a side note, if you enjoyed Abbott Elementary, Janelle James has a half hour stand up special on Netflix, which is highly recommended. How different is her stand up persona from her on the show persona? Not not, not that different. <laughs> not too different. And it's all the better for it. Um, OK, my next one is uh, number seven. I have Righteous Gemstones. Um, oh, I'm glad. I'm glad that's there. Did really you watch that. this season of Gemstones? Yeah, man. I raced through all of it so we could talk to Danny. Oh, I, that's right. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I just love this show so much. It's a great this, show. This, this, this show has kind of like also sneakily become like a pretty good drama at times mm-hmm. or at least a really well-plotted Dixie crime show. Uh, and I really enjoy uh, like the ensemble like they really give everybody something to do and you never know on any given episode who's going to come off the bench and just score 22 points in eight minutes in one of these episodes. So this I thought was kind of 
even better than the first season. And I can't wait to see where it goes from here. <clears throat> These guys just just make TV that I love to watch. It was, it was the case with Eastbound. It was the case with Vice Principals. Uh, it's the case now. I, 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 I sort of sometimes selfishly wish they would do even more or really even more prolific. But when you think about the undertaking where it's essentially it's a cottage industry for them, and I think they shoot this stuff down in South Carolina where these guys all live, like him and David Gordon Green and Jody Hill, just they really know what they're doing. And this show is just so reliably entertaining to me. Totally agree. Uh, nice pivot to my next show, which I feel the same way about. Totally entertaining. Very reliable. Love having it in my life. Hacks on HBO Max. Um, they know what they're doing. You know, had Lucia and Paul and Jen back on the show the other week to talk about how they make the drama and the comedy, uh, their plan beyond the season. Um, you know, the show is coming back. Thankfully, Gene Smart and Hannah Einbender are phenomenal. And this is another one where I was like, it was like a, a fleeting gift. I wish it had run longer. I wish, you know, I, I just wish there were more episodes of it because I love it. it. Makes me really happy. Uh, my number six is Slow Horses. Oh, my number four, but at this point we're just quibbling. So you take it. Talk about why it's so good. No, you go. I want to hear you. I want to hear you talk about slow horses. S slow horses was is one of those things that feels like it was designed in a lab for us. Yeah. Um, based on British crime novels about the kind of you know failures, I guess, of the British spy establishment who are who are banished out of the main fancy offices into a place they call Slough House, where a very drunk and flatulent Gary Oldman berates them all day. Um, I loved the vibe. I loved the production values and the expense. I love that this is Gary Oldman and Kristen Scott Thomas just doing whatever they want. I also love the feeling of, even though it wasn't, I mean, we talked about this when we covered the show, the finale of Slow Horses ends with a preview of the already filmed second season. So we didn't really know that. But once we got to that kind of elite flex, I was, like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, boy, is it a good feeling to know we're just going to hang out here that we're gonna yeah. get more of them and there's a bunch of books so there's probably be a bunch of seasons didn't it get like a four season renewal it's, i believe like, it's four i think mick heron who came on the pod has yeah. written 10 books uh when i talked to graham yost uh about the show he said we will make this for as long as gary oldman wants to play the part now and i love that that there's a feeling that's like a solid investment you know it's like BlackRock or something like here's the money like just take care of it but this like, is the I thing is it's not a, it's not like like i think if you're making six episode adaptations of really tight novels it there must be a little bit less of a headache when it comes to like yes. what are we going to do now like we have this yeah, whiteboard it, that's empty you know what were the stakes like the stakes are that this is a very enjoyable world to live in that this is a very yeah, like the, charming group the, of people yeah i think the dig as I you know went through the season was I was like oh it's really just going to be one story in one night yes I thought we'd be doing a little more world building but then you find out well they're just going to do more books and they might have different tenors tempos styles of storytelling so we're just getting started did I, you see I, the I was, flex such a pleasure. that our guy Tony Gilroy had talking about Andor where he's just like this is a five year plan <laughs> incredible incredible and then uh, like they're going to age the characters like yeah. every few episodes it's going to be a couple years it's like okay <laughs> sure. I like it when Tony's committed. Me too. Uh, let's just hope Chape back, backs him up there. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, so what's your number six? Uh, six is Hacks. Um, five is The Boys. We just talked about it, so no need to revisit. I, I felt very confident putting it here with one episode to go. I just think the show is pure, pure pleasure for me and the ability to execute a very challenging contemporary tightrope walk of being 
incredibly online and responding to the world and shocking and savage and graphic, but also just delivering the episode to episode character beats of a classic 80s or 90s multi-tiered drama. Yeah. Uh, Most shows fail on either extreme, and this show just keeps going forward at both, and I think that speaks to some pretty pretty impressive leadership, honestly, um, by Eric Kripke and his his lieutenants. You know, it's just a very well-run, very large ship. Yeah, I mean, this is the best season of this show. I love this show. Ordinarily, I'd probably have it on my top 10, but I wanted to, like, shout out a couple of different things, and I knew you would have it on there, just like we just spoke about. I've seen enough. Saul's on my list, but we'll be speaking extensively about Saul over the next couple of weeks as we did for the first six weeks. So next Monday, by the way, that's a good programming note. uh, We'll be going on... We'll release our episode right after Saul. So we will have a Saul review episode on uh, on Monday, the... What is that? The 11th? Yes. I can tell time. I can certainly look at a calendar. Number four for me, Pachinko, uh, which we talked about. What's your number four? Slow Horses. Okay. So should we jump up to number three? So now I think we have the same three shows at the very top, right? Same three, different ranking. Okay, so for me, and again, this is this is Pick'em, but for me, We Own the City is three, Barry and The Bear. And boy, is that fun that they sound similar. Um, yeah. That, so uh, Barry, number two for me, The Bear at number one. I have Barry, number three, The Bear, number two, We Own the City, number one. I have no argument with you, and I don't think you have an argument with me. These are the pinnacle of TV for us this year. Um, let's, what order do you want to run through them in? Should we do the bear first? Sure. Yeah, okay. I mean, we've certainly talked about it a lot. There's still more to say. Um, but for me, it's number one. You know, it, it's, it's very hard to quibble when we're at this level. But the thing that put it over the top, and you've heard us praise almost everything about it, is that kind of ineffable belt holding energy that mm-hmm. really still does factor into Grown my men, of things. Tears in their eyes coming up to you on the street saying, Sir the bear. <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for the bear. But yeah, like watching it spread through friends, family, work associates, you know, like a like a good virus has been really, really nice and rewarding. Like people from all age groups, from different parts of my life, like um the entire my, cast of only murders. They love it. No, but like, like one, my my agent, who's a seventy four year old man, called and said that he's watched it twice. He doesn't need to watch anything twice. Let I have heard, I've heard a, a bunch of people being like, "I started it over," because I think once you know where you, where you wind up, yeah, you do want to kind of see what the the first three or four episodes again. Those those five, six, seven, eight, or yeah, five, six, seven. Uh, up 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 through the end. Well, seven is the one and then eight is the finale. Yeah, eight. Right. So you once you that that's like such an intense crescendo and it's such an amazing assemblage of episodes to for the second half of the season. But that first half of the season, I think, you know, like with the kids cookout and stuff like that, you want to go back and almost be like, where let, let's see where we came from here. Yeah. And I think I I, I want to go back and just push a little bit more on what I was saying uh, earlier about you know, when I when I use words like I admire it or I respect it. I, those really matter. Mm-hmm. But I admire and respect the casting and the production design, and particularly the direction of that incredible, you know, industry rattling wonder episode that is episode seven of The Bear. But none of that really is in the first sentence of my review or in the headline. You know, the headline is just the spark and the joy and the surprise. Like, I still rank that higher. And that's what makes it number one for me. Uh, Let's do Barry. I mean, the thing is, we've talked about each one of these shows pretty extensively. Uh, Barry, not unlike the the bear, uh, with a final stretch of episodes in this season, 
that I thought were some of the best that I've seen in, in recent years, including um, Barry's kind of purgatory episode uh, and the final two. Um, the final two episodes were just like kind of, I you know it's it it is kind of like a, an MVP performance from Hader as a director and a performer, but even as a performer, I think one of the brilliant parts about the last few episodes of Barry is the foregrounding of the other characters um, and the way that Winkler and Sally kind of move forward in in sort of the on the, on the stage and get a lot more of the spotlight. This has become something that we talk about when we do our year-end thing, and it's even more evident now. I just listed 10 shows. There are only two uh, returning shows on the list. Now, Severance, Abbott Elementary, these shows have been renewed, so we can, and Pachinko has been renewed. We'll revisit. But the only two returning um, shows on my list are The Boys and Barry. And so when we talk about Barry, it's very possible that five years from now, when we look back on this year in TV and Barry has, you know, at that point has ended its run wildly acclaimed maybe even pantheon level considering where the show has gone and where it's going this may be the best of its best you know mm -hmm. like this may be its best season we don't know that and so in re-ranking or, or in retrospect you know it, it maybe it becomes the number one show of the year just because of how it stayed with us and we remembered it like what bill Hader did this season in terms of his performance in terms of risk-taking in terms of direction it's jaw-dropping it really is. I don't think I processed it yet because I was stunned into almost passivity in the first few episodes before I realized what was happening to me. So hard to overpraise it and very easy to underpraise it. And so I'm curious how it sorts out both in the next six months and then in the years ahead. It's cool when there's a show and you can refer to something as almost like by a code word or a nickname. Like, and you can just be like, oh, and then there's the chase and then there's the elevator and then there's the beach, and then there is the, you know, like, there are a couple of things that happen in Barry that you can kind of use shorthand for, and people know what you're talking about because they're so indelible. And then your number one? Super cop, man. Uh, I did We in the City because this, this one still hasn't left my bloodstream. Um, I still think that they took something that they, they, meaning Pelicanos and Simon, that they were Obviously superior, almost they're unparalleled at, which is making a cop drama set in Baltimore. And they formally reinvented it and also imbued it with a, a kind of an updating of its sensibility, both in terms of its perspective and in terms of its, I think almost like its moral distance, like the distance it holds its characters at. Uh, it's closer to a piece of reportage than I think it is a drama. And that might have been a hurdle for some people who were like, this is dry or this is like, am I supposed to like Wayne Jenkins? Am I supposed to hate him? Like, who's the who's the avatar here? Who's my audience? Like, who am I grabbing onto? Um, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was a brilliant continuation of some of the ideas from The Wire and also uh, an indictment of whatever hope we <laughs> any of us had coming out of that era when The Wire was on. And uh, some of the episodes in this, and some of the performances in this, are going to stay with me for a really long time. I just thought it was—I I thought it was the pinnacle of what TV could do right now. Anytime David Simon and George Pelicanos bless us with something, it's a gift, and it's a gift both for our appreciation of TV as an art form, but I also do think, and I and, and I appreciate that they would poo-poo this. I mean, that they are making a TV show, but I do think it's a gift for our moral centers and our brains and our engagement with the country that we live in even when they 
when they have missteps or misreadings or, you know, or don't read the room or whatever, like they do so with real honesty of intention and purpose, which shouldn't be bravery, but I think kind of is in, in, in this moment in Hollywood. Um, they run right at the hardest stuff. And this was such an elevation, you know, in terms of the extra bits that I think people sometimes flag the wire for not having the showy performance, the, the more, um, you know, the more cinematic direction. So the addition of John Bernthal, best performance of the year, I think star making, although he was already a star and Reynaldo Marcus Green, who did a beautiful job directing it. Phenomenal show. Yeah. Phenomenal show. And, 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 and it's just an incredible achievement. I agree. I mean, I, I, I pick them with these three. I agree with you. So we can, you, we'll, we'll release. Before we wrap up, I, any other honorable mentions? Because I'm yeah, realizing there are a couple few, things actually. we didn't. Yeah. So uh, my honorable mentions, obviously, like there's a couple that Andy mentioned, Hacks and the Boys. Uh, I loved Tokyo Vice. Um, I think it's like basically two different shows. There's the pilot and then there are the other episodes. But we didn't really get a chance to talk about it that much. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Our Flag Means Death uh, really thought was fantastic. If you want to get cute, you can put Vigil. It, it came out very late. In uh, I think it was very early in January on Peacock, but it was airing as early as August in England last year. But I really enjoyed Vigil and uh, Outer Range, which is the Josh Brolin show oh, man, on Amazon. I still haven't watched it. What's wrong with me? Which I think you would actually like because of its Twin Peaks vibes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll get to it, I promise. What else did I have here? I liked Conversations with Friends. We, I'm not afraid I don't think we it. talked about The Old Man. Well, the old man is an interesting case of it being like we're we're truly, truly, truly mid season of a first season. Saul, yep. I feel like for me, has enough credit on the ledger, and I kind of have a a sense of like the momentous what's coming, not in a plot way, but like knowing what they have to address over the next yes. couple of weeks. That I'm like, come on, how could this be bad? Um, old man, I'm not saying it could be bad, but I am saying like. We've only seen like what three, four episodes. So, and, and I'm sorry to beat up on it for this reason, but if if it was ending in three weeks, <clears throat> I probably would have at least made the case to myself to put it on the list because of what it has already done and what the and thinking that that was already half of what it was going to be. Knowing it is now going to be ongoing for multiple seasons, I'm just curious how it's going to handle the back half of the season. It's not the show that I thought it was. It could still be a great show. So I'm just on the fence and excited to watch the rest of it. That's why it didn't make it for me. Any other uh, honorable mentions for you? Um, you've covered almost all of them. I would say, though, I didn't engage with them as fully as I would like to. Anytime there's Tina Fey adjacent comedies in the world, I'm pretty pleased. So Girls 5 Eva and Mr. Mayor uh, were both back out. Mr. Mayor is NBC. You can watch it on Peacock. Girls 5 Eva on Peacock. Just, you know, still unparalleled joke machines. Um, and I love having them available to me in my life. And then, you know, in some ways, the elephant in the room is still Atlanta mm -hmm. season three, which I'm still wrestling with. We talked about it at length. I feel okay leaving it off of this list because I enjoy these other shows and their particular achievements more, but I'm still wrestling with it. You know, I'm, I'm still interested when I read counter takes or pro takes or whatever, and different reads of it from people with different perspectives than my own. I'm very interested. And in a way, leaving it off maybe is also a hedge, like we were saying with Better Call Saul, where knowing that Atlanta is done after the already in the can fourth season airs later this year, hard not to think of these two seasons as conversations with each other. Sure. So we'll revisit because we're going to be watching and talking about the fourth season. And I'm very curious what season three looks like in relation to where the show ends up. Would you put Winning Time in honorable mentions? Oh my God, see, this is insane. I forgot about Winning Time. 
Winning Time would be on my list. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah, Winning Time is on my list. I got to revisit. Okay. Well, but it, we have. But isn't that weird? Like, like Atlanta doesn't make my list, happens. but it's so crunchy. Happens. And I think about it and I'm processing it and digesting it. Winning Time would be on my list because I was so happy there was a new episode every week. I did like a text the other day where I was like, my I, way yeah, too I, early Western Conference power rankings for the NBA. And I just like left the Warriors off. Like, <laughs> I just forgot. So. It, this is, it's, it's almost an exercise in futility at this point. I'm glad that we highlighted shows that we haven't talked as much about just now. But, oh man, it's going to be a nightmare this this winter, isn't it? Like, with... And yeah. it's going to be dope when when Sam comes through and is like, here are three shows that like, that like you guys didn't talk about at all. You know? It'll, that'll be that'll be great for us because the thing is it's always a very like free spirit no it's supportive by, uh, yeah yeah it's very supportive <laughs> uh andy it was great to see you we'll be back on monday night thanks to Devin for filling in and producing us today and we will talk to everybody after saul on monday have a great weekend Baranskis. 